0: Hey, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And this is a from First to Last podcast. I am not a crook. <laughs> <laughs> from first to last podcast it's a podcast where my friend craig and i we get together each week and we work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from their first film all the way through to their last now mm. craig we are 19 films into Ooh. ron howard's
1: filmography <laughs> it's a big it's filmography isn't it filmography isn't it yes it's just one of those filmographies who are just like Ooh. oh ronnie thank And I've said it a million times, but thank goodness there's not, like, it's not all carbon copies and stuff like that. Uh, Because I would slightly go mad by now.
0: Totally. I'm so thankful for his versatility in his projects. Yep. Because, yeah, at this stage, if I'd watched, you know, like, if we think about the first half of his career, I was thinking about this today. He's really, there's two halves of his career. Mm-hmm. There's the early bits of his career, I'd say pre Apollo 13, yeah, which are all very much they could fit within the same wheelhouse. They're probably the the Bubaloo and um yeah. you know the the writing team there of Manson and Gendel. Um and through that you get the similar sort of vibe.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: And if all his films were like Night Shift and Splash
1: Parenthood,
0: you'd be like, "Oh, after a while, but thankfully, he did throw in a willow. Yeah, exactly. Or um, you know, even the paper to an extent was a bit of a, a different vibe going on there. And
1: that's what's really good about it. It's just because you know, what I mean, like, and obviously, there's going to offend some people. But I couldn't, I'd be really cranked by now if I had to watch 19 films with Quentin Tarantino. Yes. You know what I mean? Because his signature is so strong within yes. his films, and so. And that's what's good about this is you, you, I don't have to basically be watching every film thinking, oh, it's a Ron Howard film. It's a Ron Howard film. Yeah. You, you, you eventually, and, and we're getting through that, we're through this peak stage where we're looking at every movie and you can't help but getting caught into it as well. Yeah. So you forget that it's a Ron Howard film. Totally. You never forget it's a Tarantino film. No. Whether that's good or bad.
0: It's so interesting you say that because I actually watched Kill Bill Part 2 last yeah. night. Yeah. And... Two is
1: great, man. Two is great. I'd actually forgotten. One's the best, obviously, but one's all an amazing the world. film. I, I love Cut. Kill Bill as my favorite Tarantino film.
0: Two is such a departure from one, mm. but at the same time, it sort of sets the tone for future Tarantino films. Like yeah. from two, you can really get how he got to Hateful Eight. Yes. There's something really, it's not about revenge, it's about vengeance. It, it's it, different.
1: Yeah, and it, it st- he really starts to kick into that Western genre yes, phase. Yes, Um, And that's where he basically, and he kicks on from that. Because even like Glorious Bastards has a very Western feel yeah, to it as well. it does. You know what I mean? And so he he really sticks to that Western part through, well, most of his career now. Yeah, apart he from has Once upon that time similar- in Hollywood, Which even still hasn't. A nod to it anyway.
0: Yes, it, it does, very much so. So, I, I love that you went there because I really think, again, we got last week we talked The Da Vinci Code. Yep. And that was such a departure from Cinderella Man.
1: Oh, yeah, incredibly, incredibly.
0: And, again, this week's film is such a departure from The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Even if you went, it's really interesting because I don't want to say that he's doing it to please a studio or his shareholders. But in a sense, we get a one serious film, yep. one playful film. Yep. One serious film, one playful film. Looking through his little filmography, which I'll just flip my page over so i actually do it right. But, you know, you get after the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, we get a beautiful mind. We followed up with The Missing, which I call it, that's Ron Howard's play film? Yeah. Um. And then we go to Cinderella Man, which is another serious sort of film. Then we get to The Da Vinci Code, which you could again see as a very studio Oh, incredibly
1: film. studio. Well, it's a moneymaker. Made money a poop maker. ton of ma- money. Moneymaker. Put Imagine Entertainment, gave him a flashy new logo and all.
0: Yes. Oh, and we did see that little water drop yep. come Do-do. trickling down. Um, and then we get into Frost Nixon this week. Yeah. And Frost Nixon, I can't wait to talk about it because I've been really excited for it. Yes, yeah, I same. Um, I've been somewhat fearful that my love for the film was about to be shattered. Same. So I'm really keen to get into it. So, Craig, should we dive into Frost Nexus? We should. Oh, I like it. You're going to do Nixon voices this whole time, aren't
1: you? I've been doing the Grinch all morning. Have you? To my son, I get, I get he get ready, and I go, "I'm the Grinch."
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Grinch. <laughs> we we almost watched the new one the other night.
1: Uh, oh, but we we voted against it.
0: Yeah, we ended up watching the Willoughbys on Netflix.
1: I've seen it. I haven't watched like I've it's seen it's got a clips real like a studios feel, feel to it. Oh, yeah, it's the one where the parents like run away, they're horrible,
0: they? yeah. And so the kids try to orphan the parents off so that they don't have to deal with their parents anymore. Sounds good. Um, and it's very it's very comical, so love, it's a bit Adam's family. I love kids' Leica. shows
1: with darkness in it,
0: yeah. Check it it's, out. I think while well, I was watching it supplies. and I was like, Craig's gonna dig this movie, yeah, I probably will. So Check it out, The Willoughbys. Love Good Darkness. Not bad from our
1: non-sponsors, Netflix. It's like, that's The Exorcist. It's like a kid's film. It's just a little bit. <laughs> well, it has a kid in it. You know, the kid is the main yep, character. Yep, you know. I love it. And she it. goes for this beautiful adventure, um, you know, where she's using her imagination because she doesn't leave the bedroom. Oh. And then, yeah, and two priests help her out through the whole process. Um, you're you know selling what I mean? she it loves, to me. She, uh, selling she it. has this love of pea soup and... <laughs> And she has these magical powers where she can see behind her and in front of her without turning her whole body. Well,
0: I just thought she was very, she'd been doing yoga. Yeah, it pretty much. Very it's very
1: similar. It's very similar like that. It's a bit like Incredibles. In, you can read that into it. Yeah, exactly. It's a prequel
0: for Elastigirl. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. It's pretty much. Like, it is like a. Yeah, I, I I liken it to Pixar. It's a very Pixar. It <laughs> has a very Pixar heart to it.
0: For those tuning in for the first time, Craig has made it his mission to get me to watch The Exorcist.
1: Wouldn't that be awesome just to watch The Exorcist and then see the Pixar? Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> little Easter eggs throughout yeah, the film. Exactly, but you see you see the little Pixar head headlamp just spin around. <laughs> <laughs> uh Craig really wants me to watch The Exorcist. Uh there has been a There's part of me that doesn't. Oh well There's a l there's like as a as a as a a movie fan I want you to watch it. Yes. As your friend I really don't. Yeah. Like as your friend, I really just I don't want to. <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't I just I, you know, I just I know I just don't want to I don't want to cause any drama. <laughs> or or now it's so built up. Unless it's the scariest whole damn film in the rest of your life, yeah, no. It's not gonna live up to those expectations at all, Craig. Yeah, oh look, I can I can honestly tell you without without playfulness or anything, it some parts will scare you. Yeah, okay. You've seen you've read the comments on Facebook uh, the, the, the dude yeah, who said Yeah, I've read the comments. Who was the dude who said, Yeah. Don't do it, Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a few people. Uh, I love that Tyler's always gone in a bat for me, and he's good on you, Tyler. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, so I, you know what, I, I'm purposely not seen it yet. I don't want to just at this time. I am somewhat open to a Friedkin season. Once upon a time, one. Time down the track, but it's not going to be for the yeah. Long.
1: Exactly. Don't wait. Wait till a good time, yep. a really good time in your life.
0: In the middle of a really sunny day.
1: Sunny day, you know. You know that the night's going to end up in something beautiful. Yeah. You know something where you can just go hug yourself with life afterwards <laughs> <laughs> because you, you'll be close to the of it. I've been really
0: tempted to go and watch Apocalypse now again. Recently, <sighs> it's just popped up on binge again, and I'm wary of it though because. I know at this point in my life I'm loving Ron Howard's journey purely because even the dark films Hmm. I still feel a bit of hope in and I'm worried about watching a movie like Apocalypse Now that leaves you feeling a bit done.
1: It is. It is a little bit done, you know, but uh, it's just such a beautifully directed film.
0: It's masterful filmmaking and the the performances throughout it are just incredible. I actually showed uh, a friend the other day. I was like, "Oh, have you seen Apocalypse Now?" And he's like, "Is that one of the Sheens?" And I was like, "That's Martin Sheen." And yeah. They, they thought it was Charlie from the from the photo of young Martin Sheen. And so uh, I was like, "Yeah, you should watch it. You'd you'd really dig it. You know, oh, when you man, know something's is. right in someone's wheelhouse." I think it was there. So, anyways, we're digressing already, Craig. Oh. I love it though. Yeah. Um Let's talk Frost Nixon.
1: Frost Nixon.
0: The year is two thousand and eight. Craig, we are nineteen months following Da Vinci oh, Code. Twenty-eight so, years old. So twenty-eight years old. Are you? How old was I? Ooh, six third. Twenty-six. Twenty-six. Ooh, ooh, there we go. Mm. Twenty-six. So a bit over a year and a half in between films. Not a lot of time after a huge
1: blockbuster. Yeah.
0: Now. Before we get into the film's journey, I really wanted to take a moment and give some context on the play yep. that the film's actually based on. Now, for those who don't know, yep, yep. this is uh, completely based on a play, a stage play yeah, of the same name. Now, in 1992, writer Peter Morgan watched a televised biography of Sir David Frost. During it, he was really fascinated about the 1977 interviews. Yep. He found them really interesting. He was very fascinated in historical figures and the juxtaposition between the lives they are living and the people that they are serving. Yep. So, And for those who know Peter Morgan, he goes on to write The Queen. Yep. Um, And he also wrote The Last King of Scotland. Yep. So, and he creates later on for Netflix The Crown.
1: Oh, did he create The yeah. Crown? Oh, wow. Yeah. I so, didn't know that.
0: And he's got quite a huge writing credit. It goes on after Frost Nixon, which he writes as well the screenplay for, he goes on to do State of Play. Ah, um, oh, okay. There's a real season, which is where the
1: TV series or the movie. He
0: does the movie version. Okay, cool. So he works on quite a lot of really well-written films around yeah. this time. But at this time, he's he's really interested in those uh, interviews. So he researches for quite a few years both David Frost and Richard Nixon, and he loves the contrast between the two men, mm. which is you've got Frost, who is seen as a British playboy, yep, uh, a TV presenter, and was really living sort of a high life yeah versus nixon who's then a disgraced politician and he likens it to a man who's resigned to living in hiding in a cave yeah i wasn't aware too that this is three years after, after yeah nixon had been uh had resigned um you'd think there was a bit of a push in it or you know, saving himself a bit of face in his resignation rather than yeah, going yeah. through the court system.
1: Well, he actually, he talks he talks about it in the actual live interviews. Oh, I, does he? Yeah, so I went... You know, Did you watch it? Hole. Oh, let's go there, Craig. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, he talks about it in the... He he, he talks that he actually impeached himself. Oh. That's what he said. Yeah. I know, exactly. So, yeah, it's... it's There's a whole bunch of um differences between the movie... Yes. And obviously, um, and, and the play yeah. and obviously the, um, w- what really happened. And so, yep. cause I watched, I, uh, did I know, you watch
0: the interviews on the Blu-ray?
1: No, 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 no. I watched, um, cause I watched it on YouTube. Uh okay. So I rented it on YouTube movies. Um, and then what I did was basically, I just wanted to see those scenes, um, that word there and about yeah, the yeah. play. And that were Yeah, so um which I could talk about obviously a little
0: bit. Yeah, later. let's get there a bit later. Yeah, we'll get there a bit um, later. Um the Blu-ray, if you are purchasing the Blu-ray, it's reasonably priced at the moment. How much is no, it? I think it's like a nine ninety-five. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I should've just bought the bus. Uh, Has a it great twenty-two minute making of the film, which yep. Ron Howard talks about the the creation of the oh, film. No. And there's also the original interviews on there as well that you can watch. Yeah. So uh Morgan, he's done a bit of research and he actually feels that the story would be perfect for a play. Not worried about TV shows, movies at this stage. In actual fact, he wrote the play in such a way he'd worked a bit on a few screenplays. He'd done a little bit of uh, work on screenplays, fixing them up, some rewrites. Yeah, doctor. Did some rewrites on uh, King Ralph. <laughs> King Ralph. I loved The King John Ralph, Goodman, man. Peter hey, I O'Toole loved film. King Ralph. He did some rewrites on that.
1: And then it uh, turned out that Peter O'Toole was the... Um,
0: He was the... he was not watched heir. that in a long time. He was time. the heir. Yes, that's and So right. Peter
1: O'Toole actually did it. So, so it was very much like Mr. Deeds. Yes. The Sandler, Mr. Deeds. That's <laughs> true.
0: That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, so he begins developing a play, and during this time he actually starts meeting with people who were involved behind the scenes of the, the interviews. Yep. Also meets with David Frost. Really interesting is during these chats, he realizes that everyone's story of what was going on away from the cameras was slightly different. Awesome. So there was actually the only bit of true, uh, like truth within the stories were the moments that were captured on film. Everything yeah. else had such variations. And this was the moment that he realized that he was going to be able to bring his own imagination into the way that he approached it. Awesome. is because all those interviews proved that no one actually had a truth behind what was going on. So it allowed him a bit of creative freedom in his storytelling. Yeah. Which you'll tell us about that creative freedom a bit later yes,
1: on. Yes, I will. Maybe. I will creatively.
0: So Morgan's play named Frost Nixon premieres August 10, 2006. Now this is a few months after The Da Vinci Code's released. Yeah. So, at this stage, Howard must be developing other projects. Yeah, he would be.
1: Well, he's always developing.
0: And we've found that. So, the play premieres with both Michael Sheen and Frank Langella in their oh, roles. Oh,
1: I did not know that. Yes. Oh, wow. So I assume Michael Sheen, but Frank, Frank Langella. Both
0: of them. So, it premieres on London's West End and stays there for quite a while before it moving to New York to be on Broadway. Oh, wow. And both reprise their roles the entire time. So they remain in those. During the, the, the play's time on the West End, a pair of American filmmakers, one a director, one a producer, attended the play and immediately contacted Peter Morgan to see if they can get the rights to the play. Oh, I wonder who they were. Those. Filmmakers were Ron Howard and <gasps> Brian Grazer. Oh, my Lord. What a so, crisis. We're talking about we're talking I know, about right now. I know. Isn't it that, shame? That's a whole season. So I know. I know. <laughs> Morgan actually says that they were at the second preview. So, the oh, test, wow. the tests, um, they, they were there watching it. So, word starts to spread. Um, at this stage, Morgan feels that it's not suited to be made into a film. And isn't keen on selling the rights. He'd actually purposely written the stage play in mind to have it basically be unadaptable for film Yeah. so that it would remain purely a stage play. That's just mean. So he then starts getting a lot of people getting buzz because the performances of both Sheen and Langella. Mm-hmm. Now, Langella goes on to win a Tony for his performance in yep. this. Um, and so real buzz starts spreading and there begins this sort of tug of war of who would get the options to it. And at the time, there were multiple directors trying to get this production made.
1: Oh, it makes sense, man. I could see how this is like a director's wet dream.
0: And you should hear, for film lovers, this is a director's wet dream of who oh. tried to get the rights. So people who tried to option the rights were Martin Scorsese.
1: Yeah, but they would have shot each other at the end or something. Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols would have done amazing. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't he?
0: And I believe he was pretty darn close to getting the rights to it.
1: Did he do State of Play? No. He didn't. No, not Mike Nichols.
0: Mike Nichols did Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, gotcha. So he would be great. I'm going to just double check that actually, Mike Nichols. I don't want to say that. I'm getting confused between he and Mike Newell.
1: you uh, Mike Newell. This
0: will be that moment where I go, Jeff. Back yourself, brother. This would
1: be that moment that Ron Howard and are listening to our podcast.
0: Yeah, they are. And then going.
1: they're like, "Oh, they're making a mistake."
0: That's right. Don't make, a mistake, don't make a mistake, guys.
1: Guys, God, don't we're thinking of optioning mistake. your podcast for a film.
0: I was right, Mike Nichols. He did The Graduate. Oh, Listen to this filmography. Actually, do you want to put him down on the on the short list, Craig? We have so many on the Let's shortlist. Let's just work our way through this. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? The Graduate. I don't know who he is. Catch 22. We'll slip forward a little bit more. Biloxi Blues. Oh,
1: really? Working B- Girl. I've got to watch Biloxi Blues. Postcards from the Edge. Oh, Postcards from the Edge. Regarding Henry. Well, wow, I loved Regarding Henry. Wolf. This, this guy is amazing. Wolf, really? The oh. bird cage. Oh, wow. Primary Colors. The Cage of Four. Primary Colors, yep. Yeah. He did What Planet Are You
0: From? Never seen that. Closer oh. and Charlie Wilson's Wolf. Closer, closer. Closer is oh, Jude yes, Lord, yes, Jude the Law, big yes, one where yeah. Natalie Portman plays a prostitute. Yeah,
1: and you meant to see her boobies, but you didn't.
0: And, well, it was a big deal.
1: Oh, uh, I couldn't care. She does, so her, she does want it. She does want it.
0: Mike Nichols sadly passed away in 2014. I didn't know that. Oh, that's a shame. Um, so, Mike Nichols is in the mix. George Clooney. Oh, George. As a director.
1: He would have done it in black and
0: white. Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. Ooh. Yes. Probably would have had DiCaprio as uh, as. Frost. Frost. And here's one that I was really excited by. You know my love for Bennett Miller. Bennett you, Miller. Give me Bennett Miller. I keep forgetting. Moneyball. Foxcatcher. Oh, yes.
1: yes, 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 yes.
0: Capote. Yes, yes. So they all were in the in the mix. But Ron Howard and Brian Grazer joined in a partnership for Imagine Entertainment with Working Title. Oh really? To then get the rights for this film. I can't, Which I makes remember a lot of sense because logo. Working Title then go on to make The Queen. Yeah, and exactly. a whole heap of work of Peter Morgan's. Yeah, um, So, and I, I bloody
1: inch, employee employ sheen for the next like 10 15 forever. Minutes. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and and I really tried hard to see if maybe Morgan had a deal with Working Title. He might have. Uh but I just couldn't track it down. So, that would be my my speculation
1: hmm. at all. Oh, that's good spec.
0: Um So the stipulation, though, from Ron Howard was that if he directs the film, that he would only make it if Sheen and Langella were in the roles. Because he thought they were so great. So they end up filming it in 38 days. Oh, wow. Yep. Using a script by Peter Morgan. So they get the playwright to then adapt his own play.
1: 38 days? Yes. Is that filming or from... And obviously... 38 days filming. Filming and then pre-production, obviously. For, because I figure the pre-production on this film would have been huge. He would have
0: had to storyboard the heck, heck out of, out this, of this film. Yeah. Man. And there's really cool things. that um, There's the, the phone call late night from Nixon. Yeah. The way they filmed that were they actually built the two sets and had both actors on set holding a working telephone <sighs> to talk between each other. So that was actually you were watching that conversation play out the way yeah. it was and it was so good so the film, is, it premieres in London on the 15th of October 2008 and then gets a staggered US release on the 5th of December and they build up a few few cinemas then build it up and build okay, it up gotcha. as it got more buzz um, and then 2009 was pretty much when the rest of the world sees it but for all intents and purposes it's a 2008 film for us because it got its big release then so it was a critical success Gained five Oscar nominations. Wow. Including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Editing. Sadly, didn't win a thing. It was actually the only film nominated for Best Picture that didn't get a win that year. Oh, really? So. The big winner that year? Slumdog Millionaire.
1: Oh, uh,
0: okay. Yeah. Which is interesting because I feel Slumdog Millionaire is. I really want to see Slumdog Millionaire again. But I feel it's one of those films that was a bit of a darling that year, but then in hindsight was probably not the best film. I don't know. It's a good You've film. you
1: from memory of Slumdog Millionaire, obviously um, the direction and how they play that film, like how each, you know, yeah. mem- remembering each question blurs into the story. Yeah, that's and, true. And all that. Is just beautifully put together, especially with people who were considered nobodies. You know, that's very true. Dev Patel was just nobody.
0: All of them, and using Bollywood actors, exactly. and Them translating on
1: location, yeah. it was yeah, it yeah. was just basically. I
0: still remember that little kid in the poop just shouting, i Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> so good. So, Craig, do you want to hear what was released in two thousand? Oh, I do, man. Especially if Slum Dogs was Slum Dog in there. The number one film for two thousand and eight was just a little film called The Dark Knight.
1: Oh, massive film! That was huge. It's a big year. It's actually. I remember watching it, just going, "Man, this is blowing my mind."
0: This is a big year for film. Number two was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, can you believe Dark Knight and Indiana Jones was released in the same year?
1: Yeah, I know. I, I just that's really weird. The no, that that whole last one, Kingdom and Crystal Skull, is just. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm. just happy to see indie. You know what I mean? I just yeah.
0: I was happy to see Indy. I don't think it's as bad as everyone says. We've talked about my opinions of the Indiana Jones franchise. <laughs> Craig hates it, but
1: I, I look. I'll be honest. I've never given it a second chance since the movies.
0: Temple of Doom, people. It's the worst indie film.
1: No, it's not, Jeff. How can yes, you say is. that shit? It's number four
0: on my rankings. <laughs> number three was Kung Fu Panda.
1: <laughs> I liked.
0: We watched it recently.
1: It's, <laughs> I, I, it's a it's a funny series. Yeah, it is. It is series.
0: number four was Hancock Will Smith.
1: I I was watching scenes from that the other day. Were you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I was just. Have you seen the
0: director's cut?
1: Charlize Theron hit. Oh, she's she's amazing. Yeah, mem- remember when it was originally coming out? That was meant to be the darkest film. It was yeah. called Here Comes the Night. Yeah. Um, and it was just it got dark. Will Smith. Yeah, it got Will Smith completely. Yeah, even. But they kept. They even they filmed that semen scene.
0: There's heaps of stuff they filmed, but and they it's just in the director's cut. Mm. So the yeah. when he's having sex and he like,
1: yeah, blows the girl through the roof. Yeah, I, I wonder. I know. Yeah, I wonder if because it was it was it based on a comic book? No, mm, I can't remember. No. Hey. But it was, yeah, it was meant to be dark, and it would have been superb. Yeah, there was so much buzz around it too, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. I think it was on a blacklist, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, maybe it was on the blacklist. Number five, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia, have you ever seen it?
1: Nope. Nope? You haven't seen it? a man. No for, she's like one of the greatest actresses ever lived. She's <laughs> up there with Kate Winslet. Oh, golly. <laughs> just, just, I love that in Twilight. Uh, that was just my favourite uh, films. <laughs> uh, thanks, Craig. Number six
0: <laughs> caused the massive security breach of 2008. Yeah, Madagascar Madagas- escaped to God, Africa. Damn
1: right. Damn right. We could have... It was a bad security breach, man. You <laughs> and I could have killed... Jeffrey Katzenberg. Jeffrey Katzenberg would have killed Jeffrey Katzenberg. We chatted to him. Yeah. Could have killed Chris Rock.
0: Can we say, just to preface on this, we had no idea that we were causing a massive security
1: breach. No, I thought they said we could talk to people or something like that. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe.
0: My memory is that we just walked in.
1: Yeah. We thought
0: we were doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, we had the big buzz thing, and the guy goes, Yeah, but I said, Yeah, we're meant to.
0: Yeah, we just walked on through. Number seven, I watched this film the other night, Quantum of Solace.
1: Oh, really hated it. It's massively
0: underrated, Craig. Really? Go back and give it some love. Really? It is such yeah, a good Yeah, but you're bond
1: very film. biased. Nah. It's you're a great Bond, bond and film. Daniel Craig bias. You nope. have two biases colliding into one gigantic. It's the perfect bias. Blob storm. bias. <laughs> <laughs> the bias blob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man, woo,
1: booyah! Yeah. Yep, yep. The start of the biggest franchise in history of films.
0: Number nine, Pixar.
1: Sp- Bond drops Wally. Wally, well, now that is an amazing film. Would that that would be my number one of that year? Your your favorite film from that year so far? Let me tell you. At least you're going to blow my mind.
0: Uh, number ten was an interesting one: The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it still.
0: All right, let me throw a few films out there, Craig, that were also released in 2008.
1: Wanted. <laughs> Great comic book, man. Great, Great comic, comic book. book. If you if you ever get into reading it, it's yep. totally different from the film. Mark Miller's a But unit, obviously is. it's because uh, they started filming after the first um, issue was released. Yeah. And so they basically just changed, changed it all. Changed, oh, they just went different directions. They did um, the same
0: stuff. You've read the comic, haven't you? I've got it. When he, it turns out to be a big, massive Oh, yeah. Bird
1: flip at the end. Yeah, exactly. Spoilers. Uh, Cloverfield was released, Matt Reeves' first film. Good film, man. Like, I remember it was an impressive film. Yeah. It's not something I've revisited it's, often at all.
0: It holds up. It's super inventive.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It took shaky cam to a bigger quality. Yeah. whereas it was mainly just really indie horror films. That
0: and it. without it, you don't get Chronicle and all those sorts of chronicle? films. Yeah, exactly.
1: On. It did get a little bit... Tiresome after a while, but yeah. hey, this is but a, they never invented it, obviously. That's Blair right. Blair Witch,
0: uh, one of the best cinematic experiences I ever had was watching the Wachowskis' Speed, Speed Racer. Racer. Go, Speed Such Racer! Such a good Go. film.
1: Here's
0: another one. Baz Luhrmann released Australia. Oh, really? Good film, yeah, man. great good film. Good film. Craig's personal favorite, Twilight,
1: was released. Yes, beautiful. So Twilight was was was
0: that in the top ten? No. Damn. Not this year, but remember, it wasn't until the RPATs sort of thing came around. Yeah, when they started doing Team Edward, Team Edward, uh, Team Edward, Team whatever the other guy's name yeah. was. Um,
1: Team Underage Child. It was that the second film was where it yeah. really went through the roof. Also released. Uh, well, that's random. Yeah, I still haven't seen. I haven't seen anything part one past one.
0: I saw two. And was like, oh, gosh, it was, just like, was just like a music video.
1: Uh, this sickens
0: me. Forgetting Sarah Marshall was released.
1: Oh, I was thinking about that the other I day because I was thinking man. of Aldous. Yeah, um, Oldest Snow. Oldest Snow. Because yeah, I Brand said, Brand should slogan. I watch Get Him to the Grid? Because when I first watched it, the first time, I was so frustrated. You with should watch it. Really? Yes, you should. Chris. I just figured, nah, because it's Russell Brand.
0: Get him to the Greek is, and we're tangenting off here, but get him to the Greek is like one of my happy places. Because I was
1: remembering to see where he has it up his ass. <laughs> yes, yeah, so funny.
0: When he's trying not to sneeze and he's just doing that little like,
2: uh, neep,
0: neep. <laughs> So good. Uh, in Bruges was released. Oh, geez. One of the funniest
1: film. scenes ever you. where he punches. Oh, man.
0: He karate chops the karate little chop person. chops the
1: little person. Ah, oh, you, you can call them dwarfs. We're in a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: Here's another film written by Peter Morgan that year. The Other Boland Girl. I've never
1: watched it. Really good. Is it really? Huge cast. What's um Eric Banner like in it? He's good. Is he? Yeah. I never thought he does he do an accent? It's not a stretch he's not a to good go actor. from Australia to English. He's not a good actor. No, he's he just does got well. a great presence. I put this he's in He's like Sam Worthington.
0: I think he's better than Sam Worthington. Oh,
1: no, I think... No, no, sorry. Yeah, I think he's better than Sam Worthington. Yeah. But they're both like... They've you both are, got a beautiful screen presence. They're just not good actors.
0: It's not a film you're watching for Eric Banner. You're watching it for Scarlett Johansson and Natalie Portman.
1: Oh, that's right. It's Scar Jays, It's a they? huge cast. I just remember Natty... Nat Paul. So... <laughs> Nat
0: Paul, jeez Nat Paul. <laughs> Here's one for a bit of the Cinephiles reminiscing. Our reminiscing. very first film that we ever went and watched for a review. <gasps> Jason Statham. Yep. Death, Death Race.
1: I was thinking about that the other day because I was watching um, the guy from Bros. Oh, yeah, Luke Goss. Luke Goss. And I said, oh, what did he do after, you know, because I was then. Like, oh, I then remember. But that's right. He went on to do. He had a big year because you know race. what else
0: was also released that year?
1: Oh, really? Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Hellboy 2. What a
0: great He's show. so man. good in that. Great show. Also released, Edward Norton was The Incredible Hulk. Oh, really? Yeah. Not bad, man. Everyone trashed. Trash. He was a good Hulk. He was a good Hulk. It was a good Hulk. Um another great little film was Doug Lyman's Jumper. Oh I still love it. Place Such Such great my great heart. Film.
1: Nice place in my heart.
0: Possibly the last funny Will Ferrell movie. Controversial call by Jeff Reed, but Step Brothers was released released.
1: Ooh, I don't think that's too controversial.
0: I feel like it's his last good one.
1: Yeah, same. But I but also I think it was around a time where your tastes change. Yes. I think we, what's, would you say we more Judd apatow around that time? Well, this was a big year for comedy as well.
0: So, you got Step Brothers came out, uh, Pineapple Express gets released. Yeah,
1: see, I think this is the Apatow Rogan started taking over the type of comedy. Yeah. And and everyone drifted to more, talk, like, obviously, you know, Will Ferrell still, I still think he's funny. Yeah. Just doing anything. But I love now more his interviews and his skits. You know what I mean? More than his films. Have, you, have you seen
0: the Eurovision movie? I've
1: watched 15 minutes.
0: Have you at least seen the dude that heckles him in the crowd? Yeah. Play, what is it? Ya-ya ding-dong. <laughs> play
1: ya-ya ding-dong. <laughs> play ya-ya ding-dong. And he, says, yeah, he does like, it throughout the whole movie. Oh, fuck. I want so to there's it. just
0: moments like where like, he'll be walking and then in the distance is this guy standing in the doorway and he's just like, <laughs> play ya-ya ding-dong. Play ya-ya ding-dong. <laughs> That's all <what> that bit. <laughs> so stupid and funny. Um... Also released was Tropic Thunder. What an awesome film! I watched it what again the autumn. other day. It holds up massively, especially in a Apocalypse Now sort of context. Oh. So good. Hey, there are some really great movies that also this were is released. Yeah, Pride and Glory. We've talked about that on yeah. the podcast before. Slumdog eh?
1: Slumdogger.
0: The Wrestler. Wow.
1: Well, you know, I still haven't watched all of that. Oh, it's so good. I grade. know it is. It's just if something happened. I can't remember what. Tom Cruise was in Valkyrie Oh really That's a good Such film a man. Was
0: that Brian Singer
1: Brian Singer Yeah man I
0: reckon I'm throwing it out there That's the last Brian Singer film That I really Really liked
1: Yeah Yeah um, true
0: And one of my Very personal favourites The Curious Case of Benjamin Button Oh
1: Oh yeah I haven't seen it 2008 <laughs> Was, a great, year. That was now, a great year Wally is still my favourite Of all of
0: Frost Nixon Had a budget of 25 million dollars Yeah And a lot of that I'm going to say Is on the screen it's a great looking film. Oh yeah, film. it's a
1: beautiful looking film for the a period film.
0: Took $27.4 million at the box office.
1: Oh. So great.
0: That is the film in a nutshell.
1: That is isn't good nut. There's a <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wouldn't bust that nut. That's oh a
0: gosh. Nut. Um, that nut. Is that a Tropic Thunder reference or are you talking sexually here? I don't know. He has the <laughs> buster nut. Uh, oh, that's right! That's awesome. <laughs> Chocolate that bar. is awesome. And booty sweat drinks. Booty sweat. And the year of two thousand and eight in film. So you can see it's quite a. I'd say it's a very pop culture year. Yeah, it is. Comedically, it is. in even in the serious films. So Frost/Nixon, being an adapted stage play as well, I feel as though it could potentially have been pretty lost within. Oh yeah, it's all a big year to films. be lost
1: in because it's a very um. You can tell by that year, it's a very MTV flash. It's a flashy, it's a flashy year, flashy isn't year. it? Yeah. Um, and even though this movie is flashy, yeah, um, it's not the other levels where totally,
0: it Totally, Craig. Totally. So, Craig, for those at home who've seen this film before, m- maybe haven't seen it in a long time, or maybe never seen it at all, we're just going to take a moment and let's just hear about it. Following the fallout of the Watergate scandal and the resignation of President Richard Nixon, Australian based TV presenter David Frost lands a scoop of a lifetime, the chance to interview the disgraced former president. It's an Oscar nominated drama that pulls no punches. Let's talk about Frost Nixon. So good, Craig. Hey, can I say before we really get into this, it's yeah. so good to have our voiceover artist back from maternity leave.
1: Yes, yes, it's so good to hear. Her beautiful tone. I know. We've missed her.
0: But she's back. She's back. She's back, and we're so happy for that. Now, Craig, how long has it been since you've seen this film?
1: Ah, uh, so when was it released?
0: 2008.
1: I think it was January 21, 2010. Jim. I don't know well, <laughs> it's, been I like, it's been a while It's been a while I'm I so, so impressed idea. It was like 6pm It was a wonderful it was night It was a wonderful night No, seriously, don't know No idea I think I've watched it after the movies Okay, cool I assume Cool well, How about cool. you? How about you, my OCD friend? You would actually have time and date?
0: I actually know the date I knew It was about a year and a half ago
1: Ooh. so no- November
0: 2018. No, no, November 2018. <laughs> it was <laughs> when I last watched it. I have been logging my film since 2011, everybody, so don't judge me. It makes for quite an interesting... Well, I actually think it's... It, it, I love this because I love, I love, whenever love, we talk just about It justifies this, it every time. Well, it's gone um, beyond weird to now being somewhat cool to
1: see it all. I think it's cool. I think it's cool, I still like... Give you any? I still like. I'm starting
0: my desktop background again, Craig. (laughs) Oh, oh, Jeffrey! I had a desktop background once upon a time on a work computer that featured every single poster in order of what I'd watched during that time, and uh, it was somewhat of a work of joy for me. Like I had so much pride in that poster. So yeah, so it's been a year and a half since I've seen it. So, Craig, what did you expect? A good movie. Okay.
1: Yeah. So just I just expected from memory. It was a good. It was a well-directed film, um, brilliantly acted, and I thought, "Yeah, this was a good film." This is um, I honestly forgot it was Ron Howard. I don't remember thinking Ron That's Howard. Strange, isn't um, it? At the time, I just remember thinking, "I would have thought it was something like you know a Nichols film, yep. um, or one of those written by Aaron Sorkin, yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. You know, one of those." And um, but no, yeah. Very impressed. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those things that when I saw w- what we we're going to do this year, yeah, and I was remember looking through the IMDb, going, "Oh, Eddie Frost,
0: Ledger, yes,
1: nah, <laughs> what away. a gun!"
0: Um, I I was the same. I I knew I'd watched it recently. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I was a bit worried that now with my Howard lens on, yeah, that this would be a film that didn't quite hold up as I'd hope it would, yeah. that I'd look back and it'd almost be like a Da Vinci Code, which is sort of like, oh, man, oh, could have yeah. done so much better. But I guess knowing that there was Oscar buzz around this film sort of made me feel a bit safer in it.
1: Yeah, true, very true.
0: So I was really expecting, I was hoping for something a lot better than The Da Vinci Code. <laughs> so glad I got that. Yeah. Um, but what I really remembered from the last time I watched it, and I've seen it a few times now, is that they were able to take something that shouldn't particularly work on screen, yeah, and make it be engrossing the whole time. Yes, and I guess the real indicator of the fact that that was successful was the fact that Kathy Lee watched it with me, but wasn't just looking at a phone. She was asking questions the entire time. Oh, about awesome! Me. That seems so good. She was caught in it as well. Oh, Brooke was watching it. Her oh, only critique was she hated Richard Nixon's voice. <laughs> 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 Which I explained to us how his voice actually was. And yeah. she's like, that's good, but I still hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we watched it together and she liked it. So, I really want to jump straight in if we can. Yeah. I'm not going to dance around it. I flat out loved this film.
1: I'll do a little dance and go, hmm. Yeah, I loved it. You, you did? Loved it, it's man. It's so good, is Loved it? it. Seriously, it is just... A fantastically acted, directed, just lit, everything. It is oh, just, it is a fantastic film.
0: I actually, I'm going to say it here. We've said a couple of times that these are moments where the cast and crew are firing on all cylinders. Yep. And I probably, after A Beautiful Mind, was like, I don't know if we'll get that again. Yeah. You get a, like if we think, my top three at the moment for ranking is A Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man and Apollo 13. Yeah. Any director would be happy to have one of those films. Oh, incredibly. Incredibly. And each of those films, I've thought, people are firing on all cylinders. Yes. Yeah. They're well written. They're well acted, well directed, well shot. And Frost Nixon, I actually feel is a step up in all of that.
1: I think, look, um, acting wise, I think it's on par with a lot of like previous films. Yeah um we I th- know he's a great ensemble director yeah exactly exactly so it's very on par with a lot of these films um you know the direction of it i think this is basically ron howard stretched at his best
0: in such an amazing way and i'm so glad you went there craig because i think ron howard has developed a bag of tricks yep and what i love about frost nixon is in it i can
1: see the best bits of directing from each of his films. And his editor is should have won the Academy Award. Oh, a hundred percent. Like seriously, the and like you and I were talking earlier, like the pre production for this film must have been enormous. Yes. Like enormous. Because the way that each scene will just seamlessly blend into another. Yeah. Like playing the piano. Was yes. It was at a party. He's, yeah.
0: Well we've had the, the
1: birth Is it the birthday party? Yeah, his birthday party, and he feels horrible.
0: And then they...
1: It goes to Neil Diamond singing, Frost Nixon, Frost Nixon. Yeah. And then he starts playing, and then it turns to Nixon playing at his house. Yes. Ridiculous, man. And those moments where it's almost Singless. like a tennis
0: match between them, and the yeah. camera is jumping. And I love that there are moments within this film that I sit and watch, and I go... Oh, I've seen that before, but this has done even better this time. Yeah. You know, almost like those moments with Sam Raimi's career where we saw moments of earlier films and again with Zemeckis that he'd tried something out and it worked, but he did it later in other films and it was like perfect. So that tennis match feeling, I was immediately taken straight to Cinderella Man where they were doing the punches that took them into the next film. Even like the EdTV moments where we were watching... A discussion take place On a monitor With the actors blurred behind it Yes And there are those moments During this Where you can't help But watch Nixon on television Rather than Nixon himself
1: So darn good Craig Oh it is It's beautiful And I And the one thing I guess one Of the biggest compliments You can give this film Is he doesn't over direct it Not at all Like if you The Silences That he has in between, like, um, questions and and everything of the like, like these ridiculous, awkward silences, as you see, and it and he just doesn't rest. He doesn't rest it on the um score or anything like that. He rests. He has nothing but confidence in his lead actors' faces, and oh, it's indeed. those looks of those faces, friggin' fantastic.
0: It is. It is just. It's just bonkers good, mm. and I think I love that. Howard's starting to build what I'm calling his modern stable. Mm. So he's got his cinematographer uh, is Salvatore Torino or maybe it's Tatino. I wish that I'd written it down. Apologies if you're listening. But he's worked with him now for Cinderella Man. He worked with him on The Missing was his first film. Yep. Da Vinci Code and now this. And each of those films has their own
1: flavour. It does. But it also has that very, that sort of matte blackish yes. colouring through it. And so you could see, you see it through all those. You films.
0: can tell it's the same cinematographer.
1: Yeah, exactly. But in
0: no way
1: do it you feel, feel like, like they're in the same world? Yeah, it feels like they're not cop. It doesn't feel like they're yes. copying. Yeah.
0: And so I absolutely love that because I love that he's now using the same cinematographer. So now we're getting, and I think this is where we start to say I could watch a film and go, this is a Ron Howard film, visually. Yeah. For the first time. Oh, incredibly. We couldn't get that previously. Because he's using different work, uh, different people. He's now moved on from relying on James Horner for a lot of scores and Hans Zimmer's doing a lot of his work. Yeah, true. And Hans Zimmer's score in this film, Mwah.
1: Oh beautiful, man. Craig. I love it. But, um, There was nothing intrusive about any of it. No.
0: It's so good, isn't it? Well,
1: it's, it's really, it's, it's such a, it's such a compliment to Ron Howard, and I I know I just stepped on this earlier, is, is that he had, so, has so much faith in his actors, that he's able just sometimes just to just let the actors emote, you know what I mean? And they do, and the camera sits on them, and then it'll go, it only between scenes when, um... When Howard wants to just basically, you know, change scenes or to, or keep it punchy. Yes. But he doesn't take away from the amazing acting between no. these
0: guys. <laughs> and I think what really... There's something in my research that I learned about it, which is Frank Langella, in the filming of this, he was really worried because he'd played the Nixon role so yeah. often that he wanted it to be something fresh for the film. Yeah. So if you'd gone and seen the play, you felt it was a bit different for for this. And he actually went full method. And so people had to call him Mr. President on set. Oh, that'd be awesome. And he purposely distanced himself away from everybody. So it was like he was exiled a bit. Yeah. And so when he was turning up, there were those insecurities coming out to, to, to be seen. And it wasn't until the last day that he actually finished shooting. And his his, his first words after finishing shooting was, Hi, everyone. I'm Frank. <laughs> and he introduced himself to everyone. So I loved that. Um, both, and I love the fact this should be right by rights be a Michael Sheen film.
1: Yeah, exactly. You would think that. Yes. Because look, admittedly, Franklin Jellar even though he's had a fantastic career, has never really stood. Has never gone into that starring starring role. Yes.
0: Do you know this is the only film he's ever been Oscar nominated? Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Wow, that's crazy! Best it, actor. He's an amazing actor. He an is amazing. He actor. is. I'd, look, and it'll be hard. To, I think it's unfortunate. Um, in the year, I don't, I don't know who won this year, um, best actor. But it's, it'd be a hard year. The fact that he lost, yeah, because his acting is, is seriously is Oscar worthy, by it, far Oscar worthy
0: this is and i got to say this is one of those things that i sort of get disappointed i'm i'm just looking it up right now so that we can we can see who actually won uh but it is really disappointing in that sense purely because you go far out like langella's career at this stage warrants an academy award you know yeah, they're true. so they're so consistent in rewarding big careers yeah. with an award, this is it. So that year, Sean Penn won Best Actor for Milk.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. No. Frank Ledger.
0: Kate Winslet won for The Reader. Best yep. Picture was Slumdog Miener. Best Supporting Actor was Heath Ledger. Ah,
1: uh, makes sense.
0: So, But if we go to editing, The Dark Knight won for editing.
1: No. Nah. Best nah.
0: Adapted Screenplay was Slumdog Miener. Yep. Which you can you can understand. I understand that. that easily. You can totally understand that. Um yeah, so Slumdog me and air really won most of the big ones in that. So best director was Danny Boyle for Slumdog.
1: You so know what? I reckon you should on air board meeting. Yeah. Add the Oscars to that year.
0: Oh, when I do the two thousand and eighteen yeah. film? Done, Craig. Thank you, Jeff. I can do that. I'll do the Oscars I think it Let's, adds a
1: little bit of yeah.
0: Can we we'll keep that for volume two. Yeah, because okay. we're so far into this oh, yeah, season. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Let's keep it on air board meeting. Something, something them. to keep you, keep you listening. Keep that's you listening. Right. Keep, you,
0: keep you hooked in, guys. Keep your shit on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, I just love the fact that this, to me, is really Howard drawing on his past experiences as a filmmaker. I actually think the fact that it was a play, yeah, actually gives Howard more room for restraint.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it. And also, just the concept of it, he needs to keep it restrained. But less experienced directors would have tried to turn it into something more. Totally. Um, and that's why, and that's why I keep coming back to he had so much faith in his actors. They he the uh, less they would have just tried to push into like this flashiness, too much flashiness, instead and of just letting the characters carry the scenes.
0: And I think. There probably would have been, let's think past Howard. Yeah. He would have spent so much of the film getting to the interviews. Yeah. We've talked about in the past he had those moments which is sort of, he's build to what is the catalyst or the big part of the film. Took nearly three quarters of a film sometimes to get there. Yeah. We took an hour of far and away to get to the U.S., you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. And this is he didn't get lost in the Watergate part of this. He didn't get lost in you know, another filmmaker would have shown all the Watergate stuff. Oh yeah. And then the fallout of the Nixon presidency and all that sort of stuff.
1: Would have done a huge scene out of the resignations. Yes. You know what I mean? It would have just they would have started as he where in this one he holds back his scene just you see it from the side angle, yes. side back angle, yeah, and then you see him getting the chopper is one of the first scenes you actually see him. In. Yes, and you just go, man, it's just basically he holds back enough to just keep drawing your attention back into the game.
0: I love that too because I guess that is a little trait of Howard's that we've seen in mm. a lot of his films, which is he doesn't give us the prelude to what's going on. Yeah, we almost start directly in the heat of battle a lot of the times yeah exactly and so if we look at films like the paper we didn't get a lead up of those characters we just got straight into it as if we knew who they were and there's another couple films in there that we've done the exact same thing for as well backdraft had a sense to that
1: i think it's an it's it it is one of the typical examples of an intellectual film yeah where it doesn't need to talk down or it doesn't need to give too much to the audience yes it's 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 it has that interview, yes, and it tells you about it. It, I remember watching it when I was watching it last night. I was thinking, this is one of the best courtroom dramas that never visits a courtroom. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Because you're you're going to the courtroom. You don't need. It's built like a courtroom drama. You don't see the crime itself. It's about the people who take the stand and yes. the lawyer who needs to try to get the truth out of him. And and it has exact same has those researchers in the background who help and stuff like that. It's a damn good courtroom drama, and it's just it blows my mind. The movie blows my mind how well it's done. And I've got to say, a real testament to how well
0: they do that is courtroom dramas are Kathy Lee's least favorite type of film. Oh yeah, she can't stand them because of she doesn't like when people get belittled. Yeah, and so courtrooms are always trying to make the other person as small as possible. So for her, she doesn't want to be a part of that at all. And so the fact that she was drawn into this, uh, one of the real good statements she said is that it doesn't matter what's going on, you can't make your mind up if you feel sorry for Nixon or if you feel sorry for Frost. Yeah, And in a way, the title Frost slash Nixon Allows you to be like you get to choose a side, in yeah. a weird way. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. it's and, and no one really wins in it. No. You know, you could say that David Frost wins because he gets the so, the confession out of Nixon in the end, but Nixon just keeps going on living life. When yeah. he meets him at the end, they're amicable. Yeah. In a way, Nixon's actually really lonely and thinks that they're friends afterwards.
1: It's 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 very it's when one of the most beautiful moments with when he gives in the shoes at the yeah. end. It's so good, and it good, just isn't hangs it? on him. at just in this beautiful, um, beautiful area. Yes, um, in like Pacifica or something like that. Yeah, and it's just fantastic. It's so good, well, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I, I really this this film. If I had an expectation of it, it met it or exceeded it. Yeah. In in what I got. And this is one of those films if I look back now and I think about we've talked about is Ron Howard a master? Yeah. You know, we've we've done Robert Zemeckis, which his filmmaking is pretty masterful in everything he does. Even his bad films. Yep. And I don't think he really had a bad film. There were some lesser films. This is one of those films that would be used if I was to be in a debate about whether Ron Howard should be a master. Yeah. This would be the film that I would use as the case study. This is a master class.
1: This it is a master Totally stroke. is. This easily. Perfectly.
0: And in Ron Howard's master class, his online filmmaking course, this is the film that he uses as a basis point for a lot of how to do filmmaking work. Cause
1: you because know, that's what's so brilliant about this film. It's a filmmaker's dream. Isn't like it? Like he, he actually he's It shows him so At his best It's not the biggest Bombastic film In the world It's just this um, This Slightly drawn back You know It's a a patient film It is a beautifully shot film Beautifully acted It's Like you said before It's everyone firing On all cylinders Yeah And um, yeah It's just I loved it What a supporting cast too I know
0: like, I, uh, I, I want to take a moment. We'll get back to the supporting cast in a minute, mm-hmm. if we can, because uh, this is just reminding me. In it, I think what really lends the film to its pace, which the pace of this film is the thing that's so surprising. This should, by rights, be a film
1: that drags. It's, and that's what's brilliant. It should be a film that drags. Yes. Some stage plays, like you said, it, it's done, meant to be unfilmable. Yes. And the fact that this film goes for two and a bit hours... Oh, that's right. It does, doesn't it? It
0: flies, Craig. It does. It's just crazy. I have no idea. I think one of the things that really lends it to to that really well is the fact that um, the camera work within it is done as if we're watching a documentary crew. Yeah, it is. The entire time. Yeah. And you have those little cutaway moments, which builds the tension. So when Sam Rockwell's there talking about how cranky he was, but it's almost like a video diary. Yeah. And Oliver Platt, how
1: good is he? He's, a, he's a legend. He's a legend. He is
0: so good. Um, I love him in this film. I hope more people know who Oliver Platt is. <laughs> um, Sam Rockwell's great in this. Even um Sam Rockwell's great in everything. He, he is, is it's isn't Sam Rockwell. He? I just love him as an actor. Who's the guy that's also in The Hobbit? He's the blonde producer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh some is it McLaughlin or something, something like that? But I can't
0: he is fantastic. He is—he's a damn good actor. He's uh, McFadden. McFadden, Matthew McFadden. Mc, he yeah, was yeah, in it. *Pride and Prejudice*. Yes. That's what uh, Kathy Lee loves him from. Love *Pride and Prejudice*. I felt felt the other day. I have been saying for a few seasons that Ang Lee directed *Pride and Prejudice*, and how much I love *Pride and Prejudice*. Yeah. He did not direct *Pride and Prejudice*.
1: What did he direct? *Sense and
0: Sensibility*.
1: Oh, same thing, aren't they? I don't think so, Craig. I know Kathy Lee would kill me. I know, I know, she so would. I was going to say just to we watch Pride up. and Prejudice. They are just hoity-toity. Oh, I love it. <laughs> He's joking. so I good like in that film. Yeah.
0: Uh, Donald Sutherland's in it too. I love oh, is Donald he? Sutherland. Oh,
1: there you go. That <laughs> makes it. Plays the
0: dad, uh, but the documentary style really lends itself to the storytelling in such an amazing way. Yep. and I think sometimes it gets overused in films. It does, but again. Ron Howard is so masterful in the way that he's approaching this film that the documentary style enhances it rather well, than sh- strips away from I it.
1: I think that's one of his lessons from Da Vinci Code. Yes, he Tell just him says, more. "Well, stuff it." Um, last one was he was trying to cram exposition. This one, he just said, Look, "Let's just simplify it." Yes, you just because uh, once again, it's a very. It's a very difficult concept. It's a very yeah. difficult, um, has a lot of backstory in everything. And, and every movement, if you're not um, told about every movement or yes. why every movement is happening yes. within the interview. Um, and so having those guys talk directly is they're able to um, keep the audience up to date, but also keep them involved. Yes. And that's what's good. Like you say, with the documentary style is you, you feel like, okay, I'm not, because these are two titans of, of intelligence, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these guys, it's hard to keep up on what they're actually doing at each moment in time yes. unless you're, you, you're involved. in They're able to actually keep you up those little those exposition ports.
0: Yeah, it's so well done because I love the way that in it, Howard never makes you stupid for not knowing what Watergate is.
1: No, exactly, exactly. You
0: know, if you have no context to what it is, you could still come into this film and know what's going on.
1: Well, that's what those exposition parts are for. You, you you see that they're always built in before a question because they're giving you the context of why this question is important. Yes, I love And then it. you're able to actually build it up and realize, oh, okay. Nick uh, Frost stuffed that question up, yes. and you feel why that question was a stuff up because yes. Sam Rockwell said, "Well." This you explain why he did this and how many people died during that war? and da, da, da. Yeah, so good, isn't it? Mm. I, I, I
0: love to, as the interviews are playing out, that it's almost like watching a game of chess. Yeah. And the way that those first couple interviews is literally just Nixon waffling around it. And again, another thing that Langella does so well in it is that in those moments, you're unsure if it's just his waffly nature. Like, he's an idiot, or is he a mastermind?
1: In the real world? Re- Nixon was renowned for stonewalling. Yeah, okay. Renowned for stonewalling. Um, He basically has... um, Everyone would just... And that was one of the hard things about it, because everyone just knew what exactly he was doing at that time. Yeah. He was just... Yeah. And like you said, they never got the... Like, according to the movie, they never got to Vietnam, you know, because he was just... He was just waffle on to a question. Even though he never literally had a twenty three minute answer. Yeah, yeah. That was but um yeah, he was a renowned star. Because remembering that even though Frost um and, and I was and I was saying it to um Brooke, I like even though that Frost comes into it, um, you know, he's he's done talk show hosts and all yeah, those yeah. types of like. Nixon is coming from politics, you know, obviously, yes. which is you're wheeling and dealing capital of the world. Yep. And he got, he would manage, this man managed without no personal, no real personable or charm, which he freely admits in the film. Yep. And everyone has said about him in real life. Like they actually say one of the problems with this film is that they make Nixon too funny. Yeah, he's too charming. Yeah, exactly. He's not really that charming. This man actually managed to... Start, you know, to um wheel and deal his way into the head of into the number one job in the world, yeah, the most powerful leader in the world. And so when you're coming up against someone like Frost, yep. you know, at first you can see he's just Frost underestimates how brilliant he is because you go, oh, he's waffling on. He's not, yeah, he's just playing the game smarter than you. Was this was this the time you're sort of?
0: I did the same thing as what I'm assuming you did, which was go down a little rabbit hole to see how much of this was fact and how much of this yeah was yeah
1: definitely I went down I went down the rabbit hole which I got down the rabbit hole yeah so going down the rabbit hole with this is okay so Frost originally Frost isn't like at this time was a renowned um was a renowned journalist so people he wasn't a laughing stock. People oh, said okay. no, he was always a lot more ser- he was a more serious, but he's also was a lot more and this is from people who knew him but knew him well he was a lot more heartfelt person. Oh, okay. So, towards the end, but before the gotcha moment. Okay, yeah. so he it's not a Ron Howard moment when he drops the clipboard. That is act that actually happens. Oh wow because that's when he catches him off guard. Well, not really catches him off guard, he actually Drops a clipboard because it's his nature, Frost's nature, to be more empathetic in his the way he is. Yeah, where okay. he's been more uh, like the interrogator through the whole thing. Yeah, when he turns empathetic, that is when he brings Nixon on side. Yeah, see, because Nixon wasn't wasn't according to everyone else, Nixon wasn't only stonewalling Frost; he was stonewalling everyone. So his own guys. So there was Oh really. So there was a break. Um, you know, when Kevin Bacon yeah. runs in and goes, yeah, you yeah. know, are you sure you did doing it? Again, we've not even mentioned Kevin Baker, So Kevin Baker, amazing, plays um his Jackie's chair, secretary? Secretary, chief secretary. Yeah. Um now when they speak to that Jack Brennan, I think his name yeah. is, um, it was actually that wasn't meant to be cut. So what they wanted to is Jack Brennan's team, which had Diane Sawyer in it, yeah, because well, Diane Sawyer was at the time the dating dating one of the people who basically was I oh, was dating one of the people who was um, Nixon's one of Nixon's guys. Really? So that's how she got involved.
0: Can I tell you a little bit trigger as well? Yeah, go. If Mike Nichols had directed this film, he would have had to have got someone to play Diane Sawyer who was his wife at the time.
2: Oh, wow. That would have yeah. been awesome.
0: <laughs> that would have been good. Also, another bit of random trivia as well is Peter Morgan. He's married to Gillian Anderson from the X-Files.
1: Oh, wow. That's he's good. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. Oh, wow. So, but
0: yeah, sorry, Mike Nichols and Diane Sawyer.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, who was Diane Sawyer? Obviously, she was the um, girlfriend of someone, one of the people there at the time. Yeah, okay. But what happened was Jack Brennan wanted... Um, the president to start Showing more fallibility Yes um, And to be more vulnerable But he wasn't He um, He was It was a very hard thing For Richard Nixon to do And He held up a sign That said Let him speak Oh for Frost to speak more No 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 To, to let the president oh, speak Oh yep yeah. Okay so, so the president could um, You know Because he knew the president Must have wanted to But he just didn't And Frost actually misread, it and he thought it said "let us speak." So Frost cut oh. that moment, and then that's where they all. That's so they eventually had another chat, and then when Nixon came back on, he actually does start to open up a bit, open more. up a lot more. Yeah, well. and that's where um, Frost does open up more as well. Yeah, and they all obviously, you know, towards the end, towards the end of the film, they all obviously go off to their own, um, to their own thing. Nixon actually got never actually went into any wilderness. He actually ended up, his career started, ended up coming back. He came back to the East. He moved back to New York. He he wrote eight best-selling novels. Nixon um, did. Yeah. He was uh, a, an aide, a counsellor to... Um, George Bush Senior, a um, couple of these guys as well. So Nixon never disappeared. Okay, he so it wasn't
0: like he was ostracized. And no, no, no. Back.
1: He he was, back. he just never took an official office again. Okay, yeah. Never took it, and there were some amazing scenes in the original interview that you would have gone, oh, that would have been good in this scene. Like he goes into more mod death when he does his apology, even though he never officially like apologized. Yeah. About how he let down everybody, and yeah. how he let down people, and so on and so forth. But a lot of people, there are. But there's also another group of people who thought because Nixon was renowned for practicing his speeches. Okay. Because, like he said, uh, like he talks about in the film, him when he first went up against JFK, um, in one of the first time he ran for president, he went yep. up against JFK and JFK just destroyed him because JFK was incredibly charming. Yep. He was also very prepared. He made every speech sound, you know, Natural. like a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he suffered from that. Nixon suffered from that. So from then on he would he would just focus on every word and everything. So a lot of people remember him, um even they even talked to one of his um biographers. Yeah. Remember him um, practicing moments like I gave them my sword, I gave them a sword, yeah, and they okay. used it on me with relish. You know what I mean? Yeah, ready to take those moments and use those moments. So you could say, oh, okay, well, maybe that was a very orchestrated moment by uh, Richard Nixon. Yeah, but Nixon, yeah, Nixon was. Um, and Frost, obviously, yeah, he did go on to do, but he wasn't so much of a playboy lifestyle. He ended up marrying um a duchess. Yeah, yeah, duchess. Um. Basically, has two, two had two, three kids. Three kids. He's passed away now. Yeah. But everyone just loved him.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, thought it was really interesting. I did a bit of research as well to find fact, I know, it's fact, hard fact not, versus fiction. Yeah. And the phone call that happened in the middle of yeah. the night was uh, a bit of creative licensing. Nixon was known though to call people oh, randomly really? in the middle of the That'd night, drunken.
1: Awesome. I think it. Michael r- Jackson did that heap, supposedly. Legit. Legit. He would ring Russell Crowe. What he would do prank calls on Russell Crowe. That's a true story. Wait, go, Google the interview. I can't, I can't give justice to this story. Does Russell
0: Crowe tell the story?
1: Yep. Oh gosh. That he would just call Russell Crowe and prank call him. So good. I don't read him, please go <laughs> ahead.
0: Well, he was known. I think it was during the Watergate time mm. that during it he would drink and then ring people up yeah. in the middle of the night to have. These heated conversations, to which he would then deny any knowledge of it later. So for Morgan to add that into the film, it didn't happen to then give uh, Frost the the ammunition to help yeah. later on. But it was something that was known to happen, so it wasn't too far of a stretch for it to be added in. Yeah, no, it wasn't betraying the character of Nixon.
1: No, that's and it's funny. And another little bit, the girlfriend. She yeah. was an actress.
0: And His girlfriend? Yeah. Frost's?
1: Yeah, Frost's girlfriend. And she ended up eventually becoming like the editor for Vogue. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So she was, um, at first she was an ambassador for, um, I can't remember who. I also uh,
0: found out they were together for 5 years before the interviews. Oh. So it wasn't like he met her randomly on a plane on the way to a
1: movie. Uh, okay, but I could see why they added that in. It was more to build up who he was.
0: And that he was a charmer and yeah, all that a type of stuff. Dude. So, I love it. Now, we got to say we've touched on the supporting. We've talked cast definitely, but mm. we have touched on the supporting cast slightly. Slightly. You know, we haven't talked We've got Kevin Bacon in this
1: film, who is so darn good. Same haircut from few good men, just (laughs) might as well keep it. And Apollo 13. And Apollo 13. Uh, Supposedly, Howard
0: really loved working with him on Apollo 13 and had been looking for the perfect project to bring him across into. Frost Nixon was that. I love it because in it, there's this starry-eyed portrayal that Bacon brings to the character, almost like... Like those moments where he sits down with Nixon, and it's like you did so well, sir. And you go, did he? Did he though? You you yeah, know. Exactly. But in it, he is just all in. Um, basically, a yes man.
1: Yeah. And he portrays that so well. Well, he, he has that. He has that loyal. Your your loyal. Sound lack of a better word. Your loyal guard dog. Yeah. It, very militant. That, yeah,
0: exactly. Which is what the character is. Yeah. Is an ex-military. Uh, member, So I just love, Ron Howard, once again, he's put together this ensemble cast. That if we sat down today and they said, hey, such and such director's making a movie and you're going to have Michael Sheen, Kevin Bacon, Sam Rockwell, Matthew McFadden, uh, Oliver Platt, that. Frank Langella, you know, you'd be like, whoa, that's huge. That is a huge cast. And Rebecca Hall? Rebecca Hall is amazing in this Man, as she's well. great. Beautiful. She, so charming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she really is. She's so charming and not out of place. No, you know, no. Like in that sense that she's a...
1: a I think a, she humanizes She him does. A bit. And also she adds that little bit of groundedness to it. Yes. You know what I mean? Because you feel like everyone else is either a superstar or... Or a genius Yes And so if you don't have That one person Who's just like Hey I'm just New to this world as well Yes You'd be like Okay Well this sort of Makes no sense
0: I love the way too That she does humanise That's such a great mm. way Of saying it Because that moment In the hotel lobby yeah. Where he's clearly Anxious about How it's gonna go And she just gives him A kiss and like Tells him It's gonna be okay Yeah It's gonna be
1: alright He just made a little bit Of profit on it Oh, did he? Yeah, in all
0: the sponsorships.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he just made yeah. So because he offered six hundred thousand, which today's standard is close to something like eighteen million. Whoa. So um, yeah, it, so it was huge. Obviously, it was huge. But the funny thing about it is, is, and here is where a lot of people think it was a little bit of collusion involved. Is part of the deal. I did hear. Yeah, this. part of the deal was Richard Nixon would make a profit. Off what was... Um, the profits. The t- yeah, off the profits. He'd get a percentage. I off think it was the 25% of profits. crazy, yeah, where he would have done well. He would yeah. have made, as the term goes, bank.
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I do love the way that they, they show that Nixon is pretty much just about making a buck in everything. Yeah. You know, like they're negotiating the... Because he
1: had to pay legal bills. Yeah.
0: Oh, left over from Watergate. Yeah. Oh, he that had to pay makes legal so bills. much sense. Yeah,
1: and he needed those. He needed that cash, which is why he sold the memoir for such a high yeah, price exactly. and stuff like
0: that. Ah, uh, that makes so much sense.
1: Craig. Yeah, I know. same. I was just like, oh, is he just money hungry? No, he just he he, he was he was trying to cover his
0: debt. See, again, I love the way that Howard doesn't tell you that. Yeah, because again, it makes me question who Nixon is throughout the film, yeah, in that sense that I'm like, again, is he greedy? Is he just clouded by the numbers that are coming up? You know, why would he do this? I also love the way that they take Frost's interview believing that it's going to just be a walk in the park to help build his character profile again and the way that it doesn't become that. Much to what everyone... They really underestimate Frost in this, don't they? Yeah, exactly. The Nixon camp. that The, the Frost camp is very well aware that the Nixon camp are going to play hardball the entire time.
1: Well, Wallace were very close. Oh, really? Yeah, they were very, Mike Wallace was very close to, um, to locking that in. Yeah, And wow. like you said, if he didn't have financial um, problems, he would have gone with Mike Wallace. Yeah, and it's wow. funny, Mike Wallace ended up interviewing... Um, Frost.
0: Oh, about really? About
1: the interviews.
0: Ah. What to
1: expect in the interviews. On it's really, 60 Minutes. So I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, I wow. just remember um, just on one of the YouTube things that uh, they rabbit Yes. Holes.
0: So good. I do love, Craig. I feel watching this, like if you want to have a vibe of how Rush is as a film, mm-hmm. Frost Nixon is the perfect pairing
1: with it. Oh, wow. Okay. So
0: imagine that Frost Nixon. The vibe of all the humane humane parts of yep. Frost Nixon, then throw in like the high adrenaline motorsport edge in it, that's how Rush feels.
1: Well, then that'll be then that should be an easier sell. Yes. Because this, if you think about it, this would only the importance of this of this film, yep. okay, would only really be especially when it was released 2006. Okay, around the time, you could say, if it was around happening around the time. If it was 2008. 2008. Um, It it would only, the idea of it, like people would only know the Frost-Nixon thing if you're really un, a political nerd. Yeah, 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 totally. You know totally. what I mean? And if you were told about it, like, and if someone's like, oh man, and seriously, and then Frost like, Got him to say sorry.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And you'd be just sitting there at the party
1: going. What? Yeah, cool, man. So he said sorry. Yeah, man, you should have seen his face. He went. Sorry. (laughs) Bro, bro. Biggest blow. Mama, boom. And you go, Oh, yeah, that's not exciting. But Howard and these amazing actors, you go. Oh my lord! Look at this guy. He's he's falling. He's finally letting down the walls. Yeah, you know that, and he he's actually apologising. You know, and he actually you know he goes. You know, I'll never be in politics again. Yeah, and he's one of the. Even though he talks in the real life, he talks more about after that. But in the movie, he says that. And it says it as a stamp and you can almost feel the death knell of his career there. Oh. And it, and it's so heartbreaking. You can't help but feel it because of the the tight directing, yeah. the fucking acting. <laughs> Seriously. You're just, you're just lost in that moment of a man who should be considered a villain. Yes. Was really, is played as the villain when you first go into the yep. film because it plays with your concepts and your, um, your bias of how you know Richard Nixon. Yep. And he is beautiful. And that's, seriously, and I I know I'm rambling on because I just can't help but think how just how much I love this and how they've just taken something, which is, he, Ron Howard has taken something, which is so hard to bring across, but made it riveting and and scarily enough relevant to today. It's crazy, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, are we going to wait for three years to see Trump say apologize? Yeah. You know what I mean? I hope. (laughs) <laughs> I hope he's not there another time and it's funny too because like
0: I'm sure if you talk to anyone that was present for the years that Nixon was around yeah. especially during the Cambodia stuff yeah I think most people would have said we'll never hear an apology from Richard Nixon
1: yeah Oh, people and there were probably people who go I'd never see anything as crazy as what happened yeah you know because Mike Wallace says, you know it's the first time in 200 years of presidency as any has anyone ever resigned from presidency yeah And then just to basically, and they just go, oh, this is such a huge thing to the president. And then, yeah, you come to today. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it is really hard. I'm glad that we haven't made this about current politics, today's episode, because it would be really easy to look at today's current political climate, especially in the US.
1: Oh, incredibly. And start talking
0: along those lines.
1: But you see, there's so many moments in today's current climate, which you will see. In future films. Yes. Like, supposedly, today, something close to 12 pre- previous Republicans, like lifelong Republicans, Colin Powell, yeah. and da, 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 have come out saying that they won't vote with their party. Wow. This year. That's they huge. They will vote for a Democratic. Wow. Because of everything that he's done. Like, Colin Powell talked. About a moment, obviously, where Trump goes in front of the church and held the yeah, Bible yeah. upside down, blah blah blah, <laughs> and people and and seeing the um, use soldiers and stuff like that, yeah yeah. So supposedly, and and I know, look, I I'm, I'm politically dumb, so for me to see soldiers on the street of those types of things, I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty bad. But in the American Constitution, that is a Watergate moment to a lot of people. Yeah. To a lot of people. That's a moment that breaks everything. Well, as um, Colin Powell says, that's something that can break the American experiment. Yeah, it's crazy. And it? so, and that's what's funny. And to watch this film and you go, oh man, that's amazing. Like that's a milestone moment. I think we're living in those times where you'll see a milestone film by a future director based upon around these times. Yeah. And we'll be those old bastards that go, I was alive during that time. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to our kids. Because you 'cause let's you be honest, don't you this. wanna don't you wanna talk to someone and go, So you were around Richard Nixon time? Yeah. You know, but that's what's brilliant bringing it back to um Howard. That's what Howard does. He brings he, he makes it a brilliant moment where yes. you just go, So tell me, tell me, what was it like this? And yep. did people watch this interview and go, Gotcha? That's a gotcha moment. He got it, yes. got him. He gotcha. What do people go, oh, yeah, he said it, sorry. Did yeah. he really? Did he really? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's one of those funny
0: things. That? And knowing the way that Howard works, we know from past experiences, probably from Apollo 13. Oh, Actually, yeah, probably Apollo 13 onwards. He was really investing himself into researching that world. yeah. So he was across it as much as he could. So I have no doubts that whether there is some creative licensing taking place in Frost Nixon. Oh, there's heaps. F- that Howard is also doing his due diligence to ensure that this film isn't too fantastical.
1: Well, look, I think Howard brings across the core yes, of what makes the story. Yes. And that's all a movie... And look, if you're watching a Hollywood film for exactness... Yes. Like, I, I ran into a stupid rabbit hole of all these idiots going, oh, oh, oh there's nothing like that. And you just go, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Are you, what, really? You're going to the cinema for a history lesson? You shouldn't be doing that. No. Okay? You should not be doing that. Yep. It should really kickstart you to go, wow, that's an awesome story. I'd love to know more. Yes, and this is what that movie does. You and just be go, able to dissociate between the two. Exactly, it makes you it should make it. And this is what's so good about this film. It makes you go, "I want to know more. I want totally. to look. I've heard Watergate. I've heard it a million times in my life. I knew, and I know for a fact that Forrest Gump was the one that started all this. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> just, but you know what I mean. And, and so you just want to go out there. Shout out to our Forrest Gump
0: episode, <laughs> people. I was actually... I, I love the fact this isn't the first... Uh, I'd forgotten about Forrest Gump, but we've also seen Richard Nixon on another film we've talked about, which was Watchmen, because he's the president oh, yeah, of the time yeah. during Watchmen. So. Um,
1: you know what it makes me want to watch? I want to watch Anthony Hopkins' Nixon.
0: Uh, me too. Yeah, I read yeah. up and there yeah, was a few like people so talking flicked,
1: about it. Oh, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Even though I, I think Franklin Langella was just... I, I can't get over, because once again... It's a film that because it's based, because it's around a TV series and an interview, these actors have to just emote from their face.
0: Yeah. But isn't it amazing how Langella is able to look like Richard Nixon? Yeah. Without any prosthetics. And in reality, when you really think about it, he didn't look like Nixon. No. But his mannerisms morph him into
1: it. Yes, exactly. And... Just, ah, oh, he brings across so much in, so, oh, he just, he's he outshines the film. Like, he does. A, like, a look, admittedly, Michael Sheen was great in it, but Langella's just. This Langella's is Langella's film. This is, this, when, this, when this is, this is the film on his gravestone.
0: 100%. When it's in memoriam time, mm. which, God forbid, doesn't happen for a very long time, but this is going to be the film that they show. They'll show that scene. I actually wrote a note down if he won the. Oscar that year, mm. the clip they would have played was him having that late night conversation.
1: Oh, seriously. Because
0: seriously, just, he's acting, acting the hell out of that.
1: Or even just the, the moment where he says, you know, I no longer yes. I have a career in politics. Yep. And then goes quiet. Yep. And sort
0: of looks off to the distance yeah. a little
1: bit. Like he's like he's just said a truth that has opened up in his mind and just
0: well, it's like the first time he's spoken yeah, out loud exactly, and then the gravity that that Comes statement with it. then then brings—it's just so darn good, Craig. I love this film. I know we could probably just talk. Hours about how much oh, we man, love you know this you film. just hear me
1: getting excited, getting in my politics. I on.
0: did hear a rumor though, Craig, that you'd prepared a little something. I something have
1: prepared for, for everybody.
0: Week. Not only did he go down the rabbit hole today, but Ooh, guys,
1: I'll be honest, a lot of times my rabbit holes started from death of an extra. <laughs> 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 I just, yeah, just sometimes because I don't research the film. Often, yeah, because obviously I leave that to Jeff, and I generally like to be surprised by this shit, man. Um, I like the fact you like to be surprised, yeah, I do. (laughs) But yes, I have a death of an extra, or as Nixon (laughs) was (laughs) like, all right, so this guy is a brilliant character, always plays the intellectual with a comedic spin. Yeah. Yes, I know. You know who it is. He's the talented actor who's been involved over 90 productions, including Three Musketeers, yes. 2012, and of course, Frost Nixon. He's the magnificent, the one, the only, the guy I want to rub his cheeks and just, I want to just motorboat his cheeks, Oliver Platt. Yay. Yay. Oh, I'm so excited by this, Craig. Or as I call him,
0: O-Platt. <laughs> O-Platt. <laughs> I had, as soon as you were leading up to it, I just had a, an image of Dave Chappelle doing the fingers, has being like, give it to me, baby. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> Born in January 12,
1: 1960, in Windsor, Ontario, to American parents. Uh, his mother, uh, Sheila Maynard, was a social worker and his dad was a career diplomat. Oh. His father, Nicholas Platt, he was a US ambassador to Pakistan, Zambia, and the Philippines. Wow. I know, because of his father's um, job, Platt traveled most of it, uh, most of his childhood through Asia, Middle East, and Washington. Yeah. So wow. he attended twelve different schools while growing up, including a Japanese, the American Japanese school. Yeah. He, says, he says even now I find myself envying people who have neighborhoods and roots because he never had. Yes. So his parents were very upper class family. Um. So yep. so upper class that he's a second Platt is a second cousin once removed from Princess Di. What? I know. So supposedly his great-grandmother is sisters with Diana's great-grandmother. Spencer's. Wow. Yeah, exactly, crazy, hey? That's a crazy connection. I know, isn't it weird, hey? When he was nine years old, Platt and his family visited the Kennedy Center in Washington where he watched a performance that inspired his acting career. One of the performances that really made me want to be an actor started with this probably 20-minute rambling drunken monologue by this bum. He says, I'll never forget it. The guy was just so riveting. He stood there on a the stage alone before the curtain went up and held this audience utterly rapt, including myself, obviously. That young actor that he saw was Morgan Freeman. <laughs> a young Morgan Freeman. According to Platt, he loved drama departments because because um, he travelled so often. it was He considered it a survival mechanism because he could just jump into this little subculture of yeah. drama because, you know, they're always. Um, they're very. very accepting they're and very clicky, you yeah. know what I mean? Because they're always the. um a bit outcasty. Yeah, outcasty. Not too outcasty. I was part of the drama club. <laughs> uh, and outcast- a little subconscious kind of pluggy. Kids need that, he said. He attended Tusk College. Oh. Oh, I know. Fancy, isn't it? It's a non sectarian institution um, that is an American private research university in Massachusetts. Non sectarian, meaning that they made a point of it not. Going to one religion or another. Yeah, okay. Okay. I had to look up non-sectarian. I didn't know it <laughs> It's alumni, uh, Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Michelle Kwan, the US skater. Are we talking Tracy Chapman? Yeah, I know. Got a fast car? Yes, incredibly. <laughs> I was like, this is random. I thought she would, you know, horribly thought be from, you know, to some, you know, as another type of neighborhood. No, no, she went to Tufts. Okay. Michelle Kwan, the US skater. Yep. Pierre Didier, the founder of eBay, one of the founders of eBay. (laughs) Okay. And Hank Azaria, who is one of um, Oliver's great friends. Oh, so good. Mm. Um, He has an older brother named Adam Platt, who's a famous New York magazine restaurant critic, and a younger brother, Nicholas Platt Jr., who... No one listens to you. He must be a junkie.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: that's terrible! He's just a
1: douche. Just terrible. No one talks about Nicky. I love it. you. <laughs> he's go... the little, little Nicky of the family. <laughs> uh,
0: I, my mind goes. He's married, settled, and just happy being a father. No. You you think he's off snorting coke out he's of off a butthole?
1: <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> While she farts a blaze in the air. <laughs> Made his acting debut in an episode of The Equalizer <laughs> oh. at then Miami Vice. Yes. Yes. His first notable role really was um, as a young scientist in Keith Sutherland's Flatliners. Oh wow! Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah. Can yeah. I tell you?
0: I've never seen Flatliners.
1: Oh, you're not missing much. Okay. It's it's more like it was around about those times of, of those young guns, super cast. lost boys. That yeah, sort of yeah, you know what I mean. It was Keith Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Oliver Platt. I forget yep. it was. He went on to um, obviously be in Benny and June. Oh, I love that movie. Yep. Three Musketeers, Executive Decision, A Time to Kill, Bullworth, Lake Placid, Bicentennial Man, The West Wing. Um, Then some TV shows, Nip Tuck. Um, But then he was in 2012, X-Men First Class. Yes. Did a lot of TV. Did Sophia the First. Um, That cartoon, have you ever seen Sophia the First? No. Yeah, you're not missing much. Modern (laughs) Family, Fargo, The Good Wife. Played the same character in three different TV shows. Tell so me more. Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and Chicago Med.
0: Oh, okay. So, I'm assuming they all take within that Chicago? world. Chicago?
1: Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're like, it's really weird though. Runs for these shows are like two, three years apart. So, like they cancel one and then they go, hey, let's bring everyone back for a PD version. How can-, <laughs> How can we tie these together? What's Oliver up to? What's Oliver up to? Give Maybe- me call. Made his Broadway debut in *Shining City* uh, and was honored with for a Tony nomination. He's missing his end knuckle. What? From the middle finger of his right hand. So he got it caught in a wheel of a generator when he was twelve years old doing a tour with his father in China.
0: Whoa! I oh know
1: that's gross. Hey. That's very gung-ho. When he talks about acting, he says, the only thing I wanted to do when I was a young, naive kid was become a New York stage actor. I thought it would be Nirvana. I thought of myself as an actor. If other people want to pigeonhole me, if, if they want to think of me as a big deal or a medium deal or a small deal, well, that's just up to them. He's married with three children and lives in Maine um, with his wife, Mary Campbell. He has a net worth of $4 million. Go, Oliver. Oliver Platt. Love you, Ollie.
0: I love him. I think he is one of those character actors that just brings something to everything that he's in.
1: I think he just has this ability to just light up a scene. Totally. You know what I mean? Like light up a scene. But
0: he can be really charming. He could be really endearing. Yeah. You can feel sorry for him in an
1: instant. Mm. But he can also be very presidential. Yeah, I think he's he he, he has that intellectual Yeah feel about him the second he steps onto the screen. Because
0: he's the president in 2012, isn't he? I can't, can't remember. I'm picturing
1: him in a film that he was the president. Or well, someone similar. Someone yeah. high up. So, so he has that Stephen Fry feel about him.
0: He does, doesn't he?
1: he he's like an American, well, Canadian, Stephen Fry. Yeah, Where you just know there's just... He Just by standing there, you can just tell by the way he holds himself, the way he says a simple sentence, that there's so much education and intelligence behind him. Yes. And then just, just has an an rapier's wit.
0: He he brings a it's it's really cliche, but he brings a gravitas to everything that he's in, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. True. Um, you just you really are you're drawn to him in whatever he's in. Yeah, So do I. Good on your platty. What is he? Was he in Keeping the Faith with Edward Norton?
1: I can't remember. I feel I can't like remember seeing it.
0: He's in a romantic comedy that I love. I know Benny, Benny and June, who I I love that movie. Johnny Depp is so good in that film. Thanks for that,
1: Craig. No worries. I love your death man extra. Thank you, thank you, thank so, you.
0: We've had a good chat about this film, Craig.
1: Yeah. Overall, what do you think? Loved it. Yeah. I'm sorry, there might you know I've I've gushed. I loved it. The uh, look. Actually, there's one bad thing that I hated in this film. Tell me, Ron Howard, I fucking love you, man but if you're going to put an Australian if you're going to do an Australian accent in the film please put <laughs> fucking Australians in that first scene where where get hey nixon's being resigned and they yes. all come off the scene all right <laughs> like oh, fuck <laughs> seriously just fuck. that does
0: my head in because it happens so often in films, doesn't it? Fuck. That they...
1: There's so many Australians in Hollywood. Surely you can't at least fucking ask them, hey, does this sound like it? Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, no, it doesn't. It's so weird, isn't I it? I know. That's my only downside. It's almost like at
0: some point they're like, oh, guys, we really can't get any Australians in now.
1: But Who- they filmed some scenes in Sydney. It Unless that's an awesome green screen moment. I don't know. Hey, there's... Because no, that's... That,
0: cause that looks like the opera house. That's the on background. the opera
1: house. Because it's even got the um, toaster building in the back, which wasn't built at that time. It's...
0: Yes, that's true. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. Yeah. 'Cause Because Brookgate, hey, it's a toaster
1: building, because remember the Moronis, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that here, Craig. Oh, yeah. Yes, so well, we don't need to <laughs> talk about that here. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. Yay! I know what you're talking about. Hey, just for anyone that's worried, it was Three to Tango was the romantic comedy I was thinking of, not keeping
1: the faith. Tell me Neve t- Campbell. You still don't. I'm oh, blind. It's
0: just that whole, who's going to be a boyfriend? Oh, is it? Know, Who it? Else was it? Oh, was Oliver Platt the boyfriend? Weird? No, Oliver Platt's just like... Uh, I know, because like, uh, when is he ever a love I'm interest? I'm pretty sure he may play a... Oh, yeah. So, Three to Tango's Matthew Perry, Neve Campbell, and Dylan McDermott. I'm pretty sure Oliver oh, Platt plays a. He the works in the office. He's like one of the uh, homosexual sort of office workers that's always involved ah, in all the rumor and stuff. Okay, cool. it's, a, it's a charming little 90s rom com. You know how they are. Yeah. He was also in a TV movie called Sesame Street Cinderelmo. Oh, (laughs) Cinderella. I like that play on words. I'm very, very thankful for that. That made my day. He's been in so much good stuff. Oh, he was actually in two
1: um, film clips as well.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I can't remember. One was Celine Dion, but I think it was like he was in footage in that. Oh, wow. But then another one, I can't remember what the other one was. I, I remember the film clip, but
0: yeah. He did a voiceover in the Scarface video game. Oh, cool. Good on him. Thanks. Yeah, look, going to what I think of the film, I actually, I really, really love this film. Mm -hmm. And I think when I think about this season, are there many films that I would happily go back and watch again pretty quickly afterwards? Yeah. I don't think there's a lot so far that hit me in that way that I go, I would happily go back and watch this I would
1: put it on now. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I think there's, and as watching it... It was one of those films that I was watching, I would know I was missing things. Totally. There's so much depth to
0: every scene. Exactly. And there's so much that you go, like, it's one of those ones. Kathy Lee's really funny. When we watch, say, A Pride and Prejudice, Mm -hmm. the movie, we have to watch the BBC series beforehand. Yeah. And the reason is, is she really wants you to know why the nuances in the TV series are better than, say, the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Or why the one in the movie is there because the T V series gives you ideas for why it happened. The importance of it all. I think Frost Nixon there are so many moments like that within the film. Yeah. That a second viewing (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my voice just Second viewing? Just became Tommy Rodonicus. But a second viewing. Oh, <laughs> i <I'm>
1: Tommy <laughs> it's
0: a really Australian deep cut. Anyone oh out there God. from our international audiences, look up Tommy Radonikus' interview. Magpies, and man. See, and you'll see him. He was a rough football player that
1: talked. Now Darren Lockyer speaks like that. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah, doesn't I'm he? Darren Lockyer. Yeah.
0: So I just think it's a film that's filled with so many moments that I would go back and go... <gasps> his face is so important here to, yeah. to play this up later on. Or, you know, this moment here is so important for David Frost because later on over here it plays Frost, it Sorry, keep so saying
1: that. I love it. So, Craig, <laughs> we've reached
0: that point of the episode where we look at the Cineful Studio whiteboard. board! We are... This is crazy because this is our 19th film. Boom. On the board at the moment for Craig, I'm going to have a quick run through. It's A Beautiful minute. number one, Apollo 13, two, The Missing Three, Willow 4... Fire and Way 5, followed by Parenthood, Cinderella Man, Backdraft, Cocoon and Splash for his top 10. EdTV, The Paper, Ransom, The Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas makes up 15, followed by Night Shift Gung Ho and Grand Theft Auto.
1: And let me just say, Rance and Clint were awesome in this. They were, weren't they? Yeah. Even so, though Rance was a very smaller one, but yes. Cool. Clint was great in yeah, this. He was
0: really good. Uh, for me, I've got A Beautiful Mind at number one, Cinderella Man 2, Apollo 13, 3, 4, The Paper, 5, The Missing, followed by Parenthood, EdTV, Willow, Cocoon, and Far and Away, making up my top ten, Ransom, Backdraft, Gung Ho, Splash, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, oh my uh, and The Da Vinci Code, sorry, at number 15, followed by How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Grand Theft Auto, and Night Shift, Great. Where do you feel Frost Nixon belongs?
1: And I'm really, really struggling, hey, um, because I love a beautiful mind. Yes. Um, I the, the impulsive Craig wants to go put it at one. Yes. But oh man, I would the way I love a beautiful mind and how amazingly done is nah I'm not I'm gonna go against my impulse put it at number two please
0: number two so in the top five we'll give you guys at home we've got A Beautiful Mind now number one two Frost Nixon three Apollo 13 four
1: The Missing and five Willow yeah because I'm still impulsive I'm still buzzing from Frost Nixon but yeah A Beautiful Mind is just yeah
0: I have been in a similar stage as you I've been really racking my brain because This is showing Ron Howard at his best.
1: It is Ron Howard at his best.
0: And I actually think when I think about A Beautiful Mind versus Frost Nixon, I think Frost Nixon is more worthy of an Academy Award than A Beautiful Mind. Purely because Roger Deakins as a cinematographer brings a visual weight to a film Mm. that most cinematographers can't bring. You watch it and it's a gorgeous film to look at. I think sometimes that then helps us to struggle to discern how good is direction and cinematography. Hmm. But Frost-Nixon takes a concept that should not work and really elevates it to the point that this is, it's a gripping two-and-a-bit-hour movie. Yeah, true. When it shouldn't be. And that says, one... The screenplay is phenomenal by Peter Morgan. the the He is controlling that crew in such a beautiful way. There is no reports of Frank Langella being an absolute bastard on set because he's no being one's Richard ever said Nixon it about Frank Langella. Yeah. So, but if you think about when people talk about a Jim Carrey, who does a bit of method acting, yeah, people talk about how horrible he is. So, in this sense, I think Howard's controlling the cast really well. Mm-hmm. I just think that this really takes everything that he's learnt to date in filmmaking and then builds on it. And I think, really, this is his best work to date. And I'm actually going to throw it out there, Craig. I don't think it gets any better than this for Ron Howard. So I loved this film. I would happily put it on again tonight and watch it.
1: I would happily have this at one. Yep. But, yeah, there's just some parts of the beautiful mind that feel... The best for me.
0: Yeah, okay. I love it. I can agree to disagree I know, disagree exactly. With no, you. but that's
1: the thing. I, I, yeah.
0: Um. So, I'm going to put it at number one. Having Frost Nixon at one. A Beautiful Mind two. Cinderella Man three. Apollo 13 at four. And The Paper at five. Man, we've still got a bit of a journey to go, Craig.
1: I know. I'm we, worried about the rest of the journey.
0: Me too. Rush. You shouldn't be worried about Rush. Okay, cool. I feel Rush. I'm worried now after Frost Nixon that Rush is going to be that film that I'm like, oh. My little heart will be like, eh. What do we have? So, coming up, we've got next week, we're going to be talking Angels and Demons.
1: Yeah, yeah. Followed by The Dilemma. But it's got Ewan McGregor in it, doesn't
0: it? It does. Ewan McGregor. Awesome. The Dilemma's following that. Followed by Rush. So, Chris Hemsworth in there. Oh, God. In the heart of the sea. Inferno and Solo. Now, I was really hoping that Hillbilly Elegy, which is Ron Howard's newest film, Mm. would be released in time for the end of this season. And Netflix have updated their release schedule a little bit this week. A little bit of mini Howard news. Howard news. (laughs) Mini, mini, mini. It looks as though due to COVID that Hillbilly Elegy is going to be pushed back to November. wow. So, we may not get to talk Hillbilly Elegy. The final film for Ron Howard this season might end up being solo a Star Wars story. It might just be a mini app. Oh, it'll definitely be a mini app. Yeah. I oh, actually, on Air Board Meeting, do it. Is when they do a new film, is we just do a bonus ep, which is like a normal episode. Yeah. For the film.
1: Because we'll probably do one for Snyder's. We'll, we we'll do one for. Zemeckis. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, not Mel Gibson. Friggin'. Joe Carnahan with... Joe
0: Carnahan. Oh, boss level when that finally gets released. I'm still looking to find out when that's happening. It's really sad. Maybe I need to hit Joe Carnahan up on Instagram. Maybe you just just need to hit Joe
1: Carnahan. Oh, no, he'll hit me back. Just crack him in the face. (laughs) I don't reckon he's really fast, though. You can crack him and run. I'll get Russell Crowe to get him. Yeah, go on, Rusty. I'm, I'm
0: worried about that. So get unhinged. As we <laughs> unhinged. Yeah. there out, out. Great shout out, Craig. I thank love you, it. Man, I love you. it. Talked about it on Two nur last week. Oh yeah. Go to nur Yeah. We're still there. You can find us there. So great little segue, Craig.
1: Where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at FFTL Podcast, or go on to our Facebook guys. We've got a um, page on there from First to Last Podcast. Yeah. Get on there, comment, review. Chat to us. We love to chat back. We're very chatty too. people. We're very chatty people. There's been some good chats this week. Yeah, there's been some mad chats. Talked Man. Um, after that, if you just really want to keep your chat private, you know, if you just really want to swear at us and Facebook won't let you swear, then email us. Uh, we don't care if you swear or, you know, send us rude pictures. Info at ffdlpodcast.com. Um, just make sure you attention nude pictures to Jeff. Um, <laughs> or you can just go onto our website, www.ffdlpodcast.com.
0: Thank you to the people who have taken the time to email us to, this week Yeah, to let us know fi- that we, you, we we spelt the word glamorous wrong. Oh, really? Thank did you very much. I, Really? I think it's spam. I did it. You know my ICD. Yeah. I went and searched. I trolled the website. If you're listening and we did make a mistake, please tell us what page it is. Also, I understand as Australians, our spelling of gra- glamorous is probably
1: going to be a little bit different to the people living in the US. Mine's from the Fergie song. G L <laughs> A-M-O-R. O-U-S We're flying first, first class, class. <laughs> Up in the sky <laughs> Champagne So good Living yeah, the life yeah, See that's what they should that. have That's if I would have directed Frost Nixon That would come when he comes on the plane
0: I'd be glad Do oh, you know that oh,
1: plane? And Shane would have looked at the camera Oh the flouster flouster <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get enough letters To support your shoe fetish <laughs> 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 So good <laughs> With the girl behind, with on With Oliver Plypon you you don't got no money. Take your <laughs> broke <get>
0: ass home. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, Oliver Platt makes anything. Yeah, classy, he does. You can he? just imagine him doing it. And yeah. he'd do it well. He dude. would. He would totally do it well. So, Craig, <laughs> for those at home, we say it every week, we love you being on the journey. But thanks. take the time. Thank you to everyone that's taken the time to shoot us a review. Yeah, thanks, guys. Those five stars, they're helping us. They're helping us
1: out heaps, man.
0: We love it. We love reading your kind words. Thank you. Brings a little smile to our hearts. It does. We love hearing when you're watching the films. Yeah. Big shout out to everyone doing that. We love it.
1: I'm glad you're actually, and I love the fact that you're actually discovering or rediscovering these films.
0: Yes, me too. Me too. So one of the beauties of this is that people are finding our podcast at different times. Yeah, So exactly. then you see this film pop up and you're like, oh, cool, they're in season three. Yeah, you know, exactly. Or something like that. You know, I, I love that. So next week, Craig, we are returning to the world of Robert Langdon. Robert Langdon. Tom Hanks is back. Tom Hanks' hair is back. His hairpiece is back. I'm worried that it Who's might... Who's the
1: main girl in this? Is it?
0: Ooh. good, Is there a main girl in this? I think there is. Let me have a look while we're talking.
1: But what are we talking next the week, The main Craig? girl. It's a That's a
0: horrible way of describing it. What are we watching, Craig? Tell us while I'm searching. I totally
1: forgot. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's got and sure. McGregor in it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Angels and Demons.
0: I oh, you bloody well do know what it is, do you? Yeah, yeah. You? you just said Angels and Demons. I, just, I said
1: I've angel, I haven't seen Angels and Demons. You're talking mate. as if you don't know it. Um but yeah, I've I haven't even read the book. But I know you and McGregor's in this, and that's what I'm looking forward to. This uh, got
0: a great cast. Let me let me throw it out for you. Throw it out to me. Tom Hanks is there. Tom Ewan McGregor's on there. You. The lead actor female actor is Ailet Zuru. <laughs> She is an Israeli actor oh, cool. who plays Lara Van in Man of Steel. Oh, She ah. was also Eric Banner's wife in Munich.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And she was in... Oh,
0: one of those... It's a horrible noise. One of those <laughs>
1: movies where the ship is alive and they, or there's a big thing on the ship and it has one of the guys... The actor that you really love, I can't remember his name.
0: You are shit, selling man. me on this, Craig. You are so all over <laughs> oh, this. Oh man, Let
1: me, I'm in her filmography. It's killing, right
0: me, it's killing me.
1: It's killing me. It's on the dead. That's a guy who played series. Angel. He's a good act. He's a mad actor. Played Angel in the yeah. Origins film. Not not in the Origins film. In, oh, I can't remember now. I'm she going crazy. In. He's gone mad. I'm she was in Vantage Point. Did you ever see Vantage Point? No, I haven't seen Vantage Point. It, was,
0: it but, was one of those sort of. Yeah, Craig. Whatever you're talking about, it's not it. It is. It is. I'm freaking telling you. Stellan Skarsgård's also in it. So we're looking forward to to watching that and having a chat. I do have hopes that it's going to be better than The Da Vinci Code though, Craig.
1: It will be. I can assure you. Gosh, I hope so.
0: Gosh, I hope so. So I'm
1: being being very positive.
0: I'm glad you're being positive about it, Craig. uh...
1: But there's a part of me that knows it's going to be a hot turd. (laughs) A well-directed, a well-carved. It's going to be like um, a Leonardo da Vinci statue made out of turd. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to look amazing, but you know in the end it's just a turd. It's just a well-carved turd.
0: <laughs> I hope not, Craig. I am just going to come back and you'll be like, Howard learnt from his mistakes. And come back and, and go, whoa, no, get down, one. number one. Angels <laughs> and <of> demons. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I love it. So, guys, you can tune in next week. We're going to be talking all about that. So you know, I'm gonna keep an open mind coming
1: into it. So yeah. I'm, let's glad.
0: I'm glad we're not closed off to it, Craig. No. I, I, hope good, I hope it's good, man. Because
1: I hope it's good because it's like two hours of my life, man. I don't
0: And fourteen dollars of your wallet on the yeah, on the fri- box set that you bought. Yeah, freaking
1: oath, man. I don't wanna waste money and time. <laughs> you know, shit. There's so much good films, good T V shows, and good That's things right. to do in life, man. I don't like wasting it on bad films. So
0: Yes. Mm. I'm hopeful
1: for a good film.
0: So, guys, that's what we're doing next week. Talking angels and demons. We love you being on the journey. So, from all of us here at From First to Last Podcast, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And we'll catch you next (laughs) week. (laughs) See you guys.